In a society that encourages us to fit inside the confines of a box, what is it like to walk a true shamanic path? Join me and Allison Charles for a fun and deep conversation that will demystify what it means to be a shaman in our world today. In this episode, you'll learn the importance of being steadfast in your vision, what it means to walk your path in a good way versus for ego, why reverence must be practiced and what that looks like, how to uncover your work with your power animals, plus you're going to gain insights that will help you evolve from our old world paradigm to our new earth paradigm. Internationally renowned shaman, best-selling author, and host of Ceremony Circle podcast, Allison Charles went from being a national champion athlete, top-rated radio host, and national daytime television talk show host, to aligning with her calling as a shaman after a traumatic moment provided her awakening. Since then, her ability to share ancient sacred wisdom and divine energy and be a powerful catalyst for change ignited a global phenomenon. Allison devotes her life to living by the calls and directives of source, spiritual immersions and expansions, and preserving ancient wisdom practices and traditions, while simultaneously honoring the precise way her earth mission is to work in these modern times. Allison is often called to share these teachings and transmissions to very large mass audiences through various media channels and to the mainstream in powerfully creative ways. This allows the energies to go to places that perhaps need it the most. She has been a leading pioneer in this work, taking it to places it has never been before. Allison has been featured in Oprah Magazine, Mary Claire, the HBO Film Festival, Pop Sugar, Art Basil, Amazon, and so much more. But what's most important to understand is that the depth of her own spiritual path is one that permeates in the depth of her presence. Now it's time to uncover the true shamanic path with my dear sister, Allison Charles. Beyond the Narrative Underneath the veil of illusion and deep within your center, therein lies potent truth. Welcome to Potent Truth, where today's leaders, change makers, and light carriers come together to question the narrative, arrive at potent truth, and lead with sovereignty. What is potency? It's who you are beneath the masks, facades, and protective gear. It's the medicine humanity yearns for, cries out for, prays for, and needs. Your potency is what sets you apart, magnetizes your following, and creates movements. Join me, Ruby Fremon, for weekly guidance, channeled messages, and potent conversations that will take you on a journey of self-discovery. I am here to guide you to a place of unraveling the programming that's been keeping us stuck for generations, unlocking potent truth and expressing it through sovereign leadership. It's time for change. It's time for potent truth. I am super excited to dive into what I can only imagine is going to be a deep conversation we shall see. We shall see. Typically, I guess it is, but I'm in such an a mode of having fun and keeping things so simple. So we'll see what kind of alchemy we conjure today. I mean, we can have fun in the deep end, can we not? We can. Yeah. I mean, my idea of fun in the deep end would be drowning, but <laughs> and then being rescued. <laughs> and I would but, say for the vast majority of the population, that would probably be a different definition, but yes. Well, Allison, I am so, so excited and delighted to have you on. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I'm going to tell you this right now. Oh. Yeah. So I was kind of one of your fangirls for a while. I did not know this. (laughs) New information alert. Sound the alarm. (laughs) When you were rock star shaman. Yeah. And you had like really just come out on the scene like you had just come out everyone was talking about you and I was like who is this rock star shaman Mm. who's everything that I want to be and it was so interesting because at that time in my life I wasn't anywhere near 
even doing the type of work that I do now or wow. dipping my toes into it. But there was a, a, a deep connection to that word shaman, mm-hmm. to the mystic, to the spiritual realms, to all the different realms, to the medicine space, to all of it. There was like this. And then here's this woman who's being featured in Mary Claire and all these other magazines. And she's a shaman, mm-hmm. which was kind of uh, like busting the illusions of what I thought a typical shaman would be, especially that early in my growth. And so I want to go back in time a little bit. And if you're sick of talking about the shit too bad, like I just want people to hear a little bit about it because I think it's really bold to come out of the shamanic closet the way in which you did, mm-hmm. like you came out and made a scene on the scene. I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm feeling it, even though, yes, it's been so many years since some of these examples you're sharing, even in hearing you talk about it. Yeah, I feel the big waves of that bold, brave, courageous texture. And to be honest, so, OK, I'm in my time machine and I'm going back because I really want to get fully there um, in those particular times and essences to speak from that place. I mean, the first thing that instantly came up is that I was able to do that and I've continued to be able to hold the clear line that I've held now for so many years because I'm truly directed and guided and called to, you know, I can honestly say from the time I had my divine intervention, simultaneous spiritual awakening moment that was very cataclysmic, very tumultuous, that led me over to surrendering, finally being willing to get out of my own way. And finally, for the first time, truly putting my hands up and speaking directly to my own soul, great mother earth and great spirit and saying, show me the way I need a lot of help. And from there, I was completely ready and completely willing to experience myself and life in a totally new way because I could no longer, I, I was dying in that old way in so many different shapes and forms, you know, so many years of deep anguish and suffering, being in a dysfunctional, at times very abusive relationship and just, you know, childhood wounding, things that a lot of us go through. But I could not live that way for another second. And so once the directives and guidance of the unseen realms that of spirit started to come into me, I was all in because people have asked me throughout the years. They're just like, it appears, I think from the outside. And I guess maybe I did. I made like a, a, a hard pivot, like a turn on the dime kind of thing. I was, you know, radio host and television host. And then all of a sudden through my journey of healing, so boldly and bravely allowing myself to, like you said, come out of the spiritual closet in such a clear and some might say loud way. I only did it because those were the visions I was shown and those were the directives I was given. And I was aware, you know, when I was having a meltdown with some fellow sisters in New York City, you know, having a true breakdown to breakthrough moment. I had been shown visions of the path I was supposed to lead, shown visions of me in front of thousands of people on a stage with shamanic tools and music and smoke wafting in the air. And here I was sitting, you know, still trying to heal myself. And that it was in that conversation that the medicine name Rockstar Shaman came in. And out of the gate, I was never, um, I was never kidding myself or fooling myself. I was very aware of how big that was right away. And I even myself, um, had resistance to it. And that night, um, I called one of the sisters that I was having this breakdown with. And I said, you know, is what does this feel like to you? Um, I wanted to do multiple levels and forms of integrity checks around all of this. And 
you know, seeking her counsel was one of them. And she felt into it and said, you know, Ali, I have to be honest. If, if anybody else was asking me how I felt about this name being given from divine to them and moving forward publicly with it, I would probably say no. But when I feel into it for you, it feels right. I have to say it feels right. And from there, my next step was going on a shamanic journey, calling for Jesus, Ascended Master Jesus, my main guide this lifetime. And the specific intention around that journey was specifically around this medicine name and specifically asking the question, is this medicine name coming from a place of ego or is this from a place of true, pure divinity? And his answer was even more emphatic than my friends. And he was like, this is why you're here. And so um, a lot of these steps uh, haven't been the easiest, but I do them because I truly have raised my hands up to truly live in service and to be a medicine person sending out whatever medicine transmissions I'm meant to. And I just have to trust in that. And there's a lot of other, you know, areas in this that we could get into. And I'm, I'm an open book about all of it. Um, but it was never lost on me, like the bigness and the boldness of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you were saying letting spirit run and like really being guided by that which is so important because that really is a huge part of the shamanic path it's everything really the whole path yeah and i think what's become manipulated illusionary twisted something in our society is the identity that has been associated with the word shaman Mm -hmm. And then you also then bring in all these other complexities of living in this world um, with reverence, with respect, with are you doing it properly? Are you doing it with permission? Mm -hmm. Whose lineage are you following? Like there's just all these different complexities that go on with it. Yes. Uh, And then add in the digital age where anyone can basically just yell at you Mm -hmm. from their thumbs, you know, on Instagram and quote unquote, call you out or call you a fraud, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot going on. And what I love about witnessing your journey is that you've been steadfast mm-hmm. in your journey. And I really have felt that that sense of steadfastness has come from the fact that you are truly just following spirit and following God and following creator and following our great mother earth on this path and not the ego. Oh boy. I'm just letting that, I'm just letting myself be present to that and letting that land. Um, because that steadfastness and my ability to hold the line, no matter what waves, punches, attempted daggers, no matter what's attempting to enter the field where I'm walking with great mother earth, my own soul and great spirit and holding that line. Like if I had to pick one thing that I feel I've gained the most mastery in, it's probably this, you know, and, um, it's, it's come with a lot of practice and a lot of waves that did, you know, come crashing in and take me into various areas of exploration. And Luke will be the first person to tell you, um, that in his opinion, I probably go a bit overboard in terms of being exhaustive with my integrity checks, you know, in examining and exploring, um, things that, that, that come in. I'm at a place now where I'm so clear and who I am. And I've done so many years of exhaustive integrity checks that it's like now when I hear, um, if someone who's especially it's typically nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10 people who have never met me and don't know me, um, who call me whatever they want to call me. Um, and now when I hear those things, it sounds like if someone were to say to me, like you have eight legs and it's just simple 
no, I don't. You know what I mean? Like now I'm able to be in the dynamics of that, but arriving to this place um, took many, many, many years and lots of um, lots of practice of not, I used to be, my point is I used to really be taken down and, and down for the count, you know, when some hurtful things, uh, would come my way, they would enter my body and would enter my field. And it would feel like, you know, daggers and knives going directly into my gut and not only going in, but then the knife being twisted, you know, it's like, I would really feel on a mind, body, spirit, soul, those attempted attacks. And, um, yeah, thankfully now I'm at a place where I'm much less impacted and affected. Uh, and the one other little wave that was wanting to come in was, um, you know, my path functions and, and works in a lot of different ways, but I have come to understand that one of the functions of my shamanic presence and embodiment and path is to help do exactly what you touched upon. It's like to help bust people out of the boxes and confines and tiny um, constructs of understanding around what shamanism is and what a shaman is and what a shaman is quote unquote supposed to look like and not supposed to look like and all of these things because somehow through the course of all these millions, thousands of millions of years, especially with media and especially over here in the US, shamanism, which is like holds within it the truths of across all infinite time and space that like shamanism holds within it, the allness, the totality of all that is and all that ever was and all that ever will be. It's like the largest container of infinity possible. Yet when you look at it through the lens um, that media portrays and that some people have kind of like even unconsciously been brainwashed to think that it is, it's in like this tiny little cube. It's in this little thing that fits on the tip of your finger and, and, I know that one of my roles is to help be a part of, along with many other shamans and healers, to put more breath and expansion and help bring shamanism back to its real truths. Um, and the way that I look, where I come from, the way I'm packaged, how I was led onto the shamanic path, like there's a lot of ways in which how my life works helps to bust people and kind of like jolt them a little bit out of that. Because I've, I've heard from a lot of people, oh, you're the first shaman I've ever met. And <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed any of that, any of this, any of who you are. Um, and some people embrace it and feel my reverence for this path and this calling and feel the purity of my heart right away and lean into it and celebrate it. And others, it takes them a little while. And for others, they might not ever get it, um, this lifetime or any other lifetimes. And that's okay too. You know, I'm, I'm, I've grown to a place of just, I know who I am and I accept how this medicine that I embody is supposed to work for anyone. Right. It's like, you don't assume that the sun is sitting there thinking, am I shining enough? Am I doing this right? Do I have enough light emitting from me or a tree is thinking, am I standing straight enough? Am I doing this right? Am I, am I fitting the expectation or the earth? And am I too hot for this lady? Right. And she's mad because she got a sunburn and like, I mean, yeah. Right. And that, that's just not how our, our, our earth works. That's not how our realms work. And so why is it then when someone steps in onto the shamanic path that then they have to conform to some sort of identity that has been falsely constructed due to the human beings need to label things to make it make sense, which is essentially what we do. We, 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 we struggle with things that are abstract. And so we try to shove a label on it and confine it, like shove it deep into a box to make it fit some sort of parameter. I love your facial. Those who are watching the video, she's like, I shove it deep in a box. <laughs> yeah. So that I can understand it. That's, That's what people feel safe. Right. Exactly. They feel safe. They feel comfortable. I get this. I understand this. My mind understands this. I'm safe. Yes. I, 
Yeah. And that's not really how much of any of shamanism works, <laughs> nor is it how our world works. Mm-hmm. Like just, everything in our world, you think about the weather, for example, like a storm can roll out of nowhere and be completely relentless. And no one is trying to confine that into a box. And shamanism is deeply rooted in our earth and in these other realms that we can't make sense, like logical sense of. And so why would we try and fit the the role of a shaman into this box of logic. <sighs> yeah, my whole body is just breathing, you know, a big expansive breath and also mixed with that a bit of a sigh of relief to just hear another person speaking to this. You know, I really had to accept my role as an educator in this space. I did not go gently into that directive. Um, you know, because right out of the gate, well, I should let people know after my surrender moment, my only prayer was show me the way I clearly don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I knew I needed to heal myself. So that's how my entry into the world of shamanism and clearly, you know, devotedly stepping onto the spiritual path. It started from that place of like, I need to heal. And it was in my devotion and heeding all of these calls. Uh, and I was led. Uh, the first two healers spirit guided me to work with happened to be shamans. You know, looking back, it's like, oh, right out of the gate, everything was the dots were connecting. Um, so I worked for many years relentlessly and saw countless different types of healers and shamans and medicines, people and energy workers all over the world. That was my only goal was to heal. I had no conscious idea while doing that, that what was simultaneously happening through the shedding of false identities and limiting beliefs and old traumas and pains and all the things, things, things that we relentlessly do and we walk this path, that it was then creating more breath and space for the calling I was always encoded with as a shaman to express more and to inform me and to start to speak to me more. So all of these things were happening at once. And once I then got to a place through many years of devoted healing work of understanding, oh, this is why I'm really here. Oh, this is how you're showing me I'm supposed to do this. Oh, that makes sense as to why I had 20 plus years in the entertainment industry, in the media world. I'm supposed to speak about this and and share about this. But right out of the gate, I was guiding all of these, and this is maybe at the time that you were referencing when you were more of a fan, which feels so weird to even say, um, but because, yeah, I didn't know that, and now we're friends, but um, yeah, I mean, I was doing all these huge events, uh, you know, partnering with all these massive glams, brands, global brands, the New York Times, HBO Film Festival, Marie Claire Magazine, Forbes, like all, all of these biggest names and guiding these shamanic journey events. And that was one thing, right? Like, so I'm ceremonialist, I'm facilitator, I'm helping people reconnect and remember. Um, I'm, I'm doing it in a way that helps people that may not have this entry point or access point. Now they suddenly do because I'm doing it on a rooftop in a, in a, uh, a hotel in Brooklyn and all of these things. But then after so many, many years, and it was a long time of me pounding the concrete jungle in New York City. I lived there for about 15 years doing this work exhaustively and also being by coastal in LA through holding space like that for countless thousands of people. Then all of a sudden it was like my next rite of passage started to present. And it was more of, because from my perspective, what was happening was spirit, all my guides, you know, the power animal realm, all of these places that I commune with um, in such a devoted way regularly, they were also over the course of all these years being witness to how mm. I was doing this work, mm-hmm. the place from which I was doing this work, the type of safe space and container I was doing this work. I was trusting in the whispers they were giving me and the unseen realms were starting to trust me more and more that I could hold this container from a place of integrity and healthy embodiment. And once that got more into place over a long duration of time, 
they then started to give me the directive to be more of an educator. And that's where I actually hit up against more resistance mm -hmm. because I could feel the massive responsibility of that. I could also feel the naysayership of, of that, you know, um, I could feel what I would need to hold the line for and what I would hit up against. But I live by the calls. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, they would, you know, show me things that I needed to do. And sometimes I would pray it away. I would be like, <laughs> I would say, I would ask, I would go into prayer and I'd be like, are you sure? Is it really me? Like you want me, this primarily Caucasian woman from a tiny town in the Midwest uh, and woman, you know, who, you know, dresses like me, looks like me, whatever, you want me to be one of like the main voices of helping to re-educate people of what shamanism is. But the deeper I got into it and the more I heeded this relentless directive from source, the more I understood why, why not me? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't it be me? Shamanism essentially of course, the, the first things you need to, you know, check yourself in relentlessly is the reverence and sacredness and honoring peace. But when entering onto the shamanic path from those places, shamanism is for all. Mm -hmm. It's a, it, it holds within it the, the global truths and the truths of, of this world, the seen world, and of all the unseen worlds. So not only is it for us humans, but it's for all the, the you know, the guides and, and beings in the other worlds too. Shamanism is for all. And that really boils down to, you know, what some try to define shamanism as, you know, you're walking with the foot in each world. You're, you're here. I understand that I have a physical body. I understand. And I'm so excited that I get to work with great mother earth and be with Gaia again in this form, but I am just as present and in connection and communication with the unseen worlds as well. And that's the a birthright of every living being. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Cause when you were saying that I started feeling into, well, then if that's the case, then is the shamanic path ultimately the path that we are all meant to live on? Like, is that the human path? Is that it then? To be walking with one foot in each realm, to be connected to the unseen as well as the seen. That's the clarity that I have arrived to, very much so. But then, you know, it begs these other questions of, you know, karma and just what is meant, truly meant to serve each person's highest, greatest earthly good this lifetime, right? It's like, you know, earlier on in my path, I might look at someone who's in a ton of suffering um, and very disconnected from spirit and from the unseen realms. And I've, I've always been very good about never being invasive with my work. I always get people's permission. I never, I'm just simply here shining and being. And if it entices you, I will greet you at the doorway. But I would view maybe some family members who are in deep suffering and just be like, oh my gosh, if they only knew the liberation and peace that I, and the relentless miracles that I have been so graced with and have arrived to. But, you know, it's so clear then the next sentence that comes with that, it's like, perhaps what they need to experience this lifetime that will ultimately over across all time and all lives serve their highest, greatest earthly good is to be in this disconnection this lifetime, mm -hmm. you know, when they needed to feel so cut off and experience whatever levels of, of suffering this lifetime so that when they're back up swimming in the ethers, they are able to connect the dots and the, and the teachings and awarenesses. And if they had not been in uh, disconnection, maybe those dots wouldn't be connected, you know? So mm -hmm. yes, I, I absolutely feel we all have the capabilities and abilities to have a connection just as strongly with the unseen realms as the earth plane, but is that meant to serve everybody's greatest good, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. What was coming up when you were sharing that is, yeah, and that that makes so much sense because what 
I've been observing in this space and which, what has also had me buckled down on my own sense of reverence to this work and to this path to walk the path in a really good way has been observing people who seemingly bypass a bunch of work to don a title, mm. you know, either to fit it into their IG bio, whatever the fuck people do these days, mm. but like to don a label or a title of healer, medicine woman, medicine man, shaman, my, whatever it is, teacher. Um, but for me, if I hadn't gone through all the traumas that I've gone through, if I hadn't faced those traumas and continued to face those traumas, if I hadn't and I mean, I still do this, put my work first, like my own personal healing inner work first, then I feel I wouldn't be walking this path in a good way. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love to support and facilitate and create spaces for people to heal, I can't make that the thing because then it becomes I mean, I believe it becomes entangled with ego. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I just focus on walking this path in a good way, mm -hmm. being on this path in a good way, by putting my energy into my own healing, into my own listening, mm -hmm. into my own knowing and seeing, then it will lead me there. Mm -hmm. Aho. Yes, yes. And in listening to that beautiful share, it was taking me... Um, to an awareness, a realization that I arrived to quite some time ago, um, because with, with medicine names, right. Um, and there's various ways that medicine names come in and, and are given. Um, but with mine, well, let me say for, for all medicine names, it, they're medicine. They're called medicine names for a reason. They're not just medicine for the world or for other people. It's also medicine for the person who's bestowed the name. And so it has been such a journey for me with this medicine name, Rockstar Shaman, which to clarify for anyone new to my work, primarily describes my two main connection points with my shamanic path, Rock, Great Mother Earth, Star, Great Spirit. I live in accordance and, and heed the calls of that vertical line that runs through my own heart and my own human vessel as well. And so the journey that that medicine name alone has taken me on is like I've I've had to peer into that so much. I actually tried to make it go away because my Instagram handle used to be at Rockstar Shaman. Right. <laughs> at one point I was like, I don't want to carry this anymore. Like I'm, t I'm changing my Instagram handle. I like tried to wipe it off of everything. And in all the journeys and meditations, it was just like, it's not how this works, Allison. Like <laughs> you were assigned this name. And so then it turned more to an AKA and it still, it still lives places. But what I'm getting to is I finally had one of these light bulbs go off um, because I, of course, like I want to be doing this work from purity and from divinity and not from mind and not from ego. And that's why I was constantly peering into that name, that title, and, you know, any, even many years into it. And finally I realized I'm like, oh, I can be assured that it, this is not an ego or a mind thing because I can honestly say, and maybe you could attest to witnessing this, I don't know, but when I go to gatherings or where I go places, I'm not like needing anybody to know who, who I am or what my work is. I mean, maybe in this community here, like people just know because I've been around for a while, but it's like, even if that's not the best example, when I go to places where nobody knows me, I'm not like saying I'm a shaman and I'm not, <laughs> unless somebody asks what my profession is, I will be honest. I'm an author and a shaman, but I can genuinely say, I don't care if anybody in the room knows who I am and knows that I'm a shaman. I, I truly don't care. And I will attest to that. Um, being around you and your energy and, and witnessing you and, you know, the common spaces that we mingle in, I always feel like, oh, there's someone that's more like me. 
<laughs> where like I don't really need to like I don't need anyone to know. I never felt like I fit in in LA where everyone needs to know who you are, what you do, and how you can help them mm-hmm. is what it felt like. Um, and it it always felt really weird and twisted and convoluted and ego driven. Yeah. Um, and I feel that what so many people, even if there are in that, they are in that space, which is, is so much of it's due to the societal pressure of, of donning a label, but as well as the invention of the digital space, like Instagram, where we have little bios and we have to name what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's more freedom and not. And I feel that more and more people are being called in that direction of like wanting mm-hmm. to just be free mm-hmm. of all of that. Yes. Which to me is also part of the message of like coming back to the earth and, yes. and being free of all these um, confines that come with living in this very yes. constructed world. Yes. So what you were speaking to, I and I think it's so important. So many people, you know, it's great. People are awakening. People are having more access to healers. It's like, it's, it's happening. It's mm-hmm. on and popping and it's so beautiful. And yes, it's bringing with it this whole other thing that those of us who've been doing this work for a long time are like, oh, I d- didn't know that that layer would be presenting with more and more people awakening at such rapid rate. But there's a very big difference in setting an intention to meditate. Okay, I'm going to meditate every day. There's that kind of intention. And then this very different kind of intention that came in and listening to you. And this is also how I walk the path. There's an intention to facing yourself. (laughs) (laughs) They're very different paths, very different paths. And I do not like to be invasive with the work, but if this resonates, I do invite anyone, especially if you're newer to the spiritual path or the shamanic path, I most recommend walking in devotion and setting a very clear intention that through all the modalities of you know spiritual practices that you're led into, that you still always carry that intention and devotion to facing oneself. Because, you know, Luke and I have been in this discussion the past couple of weeks for some reason around, and I'm not speaking this from a place of like, negativity or judgment. It's strictly observance. We have observed quite a number of people who have meditated for like 20 plus years. I mean, long times, 20, 30 years, yet they are still stuck in complete lack of self-awareness. They're still functioning from such distorted, dysfunctional knotted up, kinked up ways that are causing messes, webs of messes. And so we've been speaking to this lately and I'm just like, it really boils down to just being so simple. Okay. Yeah. You know, they tout having meditated for 25 years, but have they ever faced themselves still Mm -hmm. in the 25 years of sitting and meditating? Have they ever let themselves really face themselves and look at themselves? So that was coming in. So I just wanted to like, Get that off my chest. And then the other thing, um, it's such a small example, but it speaks to this thing you're talking about of, um, especially in this day of social media and, you know, modern times, you know, TV, movies, all all the things, all the platforms, ever-growing platforms. And, and yeah, people wanting to maybe have certain accolades, because I know for me, Yes, especially early on, it did feel like it did lend some strength and credibility to my name and the way I do the work when, you know, I'm I'm being featured in these, you know, biggest publications. And I did feel like that was helpful to express on my website um, that I have been recognized and worked with these uh, these places. However, I am now getting to a place and it's a dance and it's a balancing act because a lot of that stuff is still featured on my website. But for this event that I'm speaking at in New York City in August, um, I gave the event organizer just free reign. I was like, here's my about page on my website. Just pull what you want for my bio. And it was so beautiful because when they were like, hey, Allison, you know, here's the event assets. The event page is live. When I went to the event page. to somebody listening is is probably not funny, but to me, it was very funny. Like they only chose the paragraphs. They like listed nothing about like 
guiding, you know, meditations for 15,000 people and named this and that and this and Forbes. Like there was absolutely none of the media accolades and mentions and like none of the descriptions of how big and far reaching my work has been throughout the years. It literally was just like two tiny little paragraphs (laughs) that says, you know, that I live in devotion uh, to living by the directives of source and preserving ancient wisdom traditions. And uh, that coupled with her warmth and relatability has allowed her to be a leading global voice. And it was just like that. And it's such a, might be a sound like a, such a silly small example, but that was such good, good medicine for me, such good, beautiful medicine, because that old paradigm system you know, fluttered up a little bit of like, oh, I better email and have them work in this and that so that it looks as as strong as some of the other speakers, right? Because all the other speaker Mm -hmm. bios are littered with all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, no, no, that's the old paradigm way. I want to dip more into this new earth way that you were referencing. And I'm like, all that other stuff is embodied in me. Like, I don't feel the need to explain myself to anyone. I don't feel the need to prove myself to anyone. It's all embodied in me. And I actually have now grown to love these two tiny little paragraphs that really, at the heart of it, that's the most important thing people should know about me is I live in devotion, right? Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I just, I haven't shared that. And it's just a very present thing um, that again, it might sound like a silly story or example to, to people listening, but for me, it was um, a helpful cross threshold crossing kind of rite of passage Mm -hmm. in a sense of like, no, let that old paradigm way go. All these media companies, like Mm -hmm. what is that all about anyways? Right. Because that doesn't, ultimately that doesn't really even speak to the depth. Exactly. Right. But it does qualify in this, this societal paradigm, but it doesn't qualify, you know, it's like, um, I've worked with many medicine people and you can tell the depth of their own personal journeys from the way in which they facilitate and interact with you. Yeah. And that's, that's all I need. Yes. That's what I want. Yes. Okay. I don't care about the bios and I'm so glad you mentioned that because <laughs> I had already sliced the shit out of your bio because it's super long <laughs> yeah. and I only pulled the the parts that spoke to depth. Great. Just so you know. No, this is great. It's a trend that's continuing. It's wonderful. Who knows where it will lead? <laughs> Into the new earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, here we are in this new earth or the, the the crossing into the new earth and walking the path in a good way. And it feels amazing to be here now and be in this space and be who we're being now and also have people like you who are really embodied so not so much doing the whole let me show you the way you're simply being the way which again to me is the new paradigm you know it's not about the showing this is about the being Mm -hmm. and i love that in this space of beingness you birthed this incredible book that speaks to how we can also be in this way. And I love that it's called power animals. Mm. Uh, we, we've heard the term spirit animals for so long, totem animals for so long, but I love that you reframe it as power animals. Mm. And when you read the descriptions for each animal, it really is that like, these are messengers that truly come into your space to empower you. Mm -hmm. So before we talk about the book, I know power animals have been in your life for a long time. So I'd love for you to just share like a a snippet of your relate, your own personal relationship and journey with power animals. Yes, they were my, along with Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Along with Jesus, they were the first spiritual allies who came in to support me when I had my divine intervention. And so I have been... um, So it was Jesus and the animals. Jesus and the animals. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what much else you need, you know, to live a good life. Uh, Yes, it was Jesus and the animals. And they came in right out of the gate. So as I referenced, um, I was guided to two different shamans to 
start my deep healing path, one of the shamans happens to be my aunt. And it was in that soul retrieval shamanic healing session that the animal started to enter in. And I discovered my core power animal, the animal that's with me my entire life at all times, which we all have a core power animal. Mine is the black jaguar. And then three supporter animals came in to help me in different ways, the bear, the deer, and the frog. And I'll just give a brief example. If anyone is new to working with the power animal realm and, and how it all works, Every single animal has different wisdom and healing attributes, medicine teachings, medicine transmissions that they want to give to be supportive for us. So the bear came in and was a further teacher in letting me learn the art of surrender. It would come to me in my meditations. The bear would sit with its back against the tree and invite me to sit in its lap. And it would just lean into my ear and whisper, let go lean back. And I would lean back into its chest and it would say, let go more. I would lean back more and over and over. And I would learn how to let go into the arms of the spiritual support in the unseen realms. And bear medicine is known to creating, you know, such a safe, supportive space. And then the frog came in. I love, I, I don't know that I could have gotten, could have gotten through all of this without frog because the main medicine for me that Frog gave was not only taking a leap of faith, but Frog's only leap forward. Mm -hmm. And that was the precise thread of medicine I needed because in that previous relationship that caused my awakening and that brought in the divine intervention, it was, I needed the intervention because I was stuck in a cycle of insanity and abuse for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. And no matter how smart or accomplished or capable or successful that I was in life on paper, I somehow lacked the capability to pull myself out of that. And so the medicine to not go back yet again into that same cycle with the frog, like we only, we only go forward, honey, there's no more going backward. And then deer has been a long-term supporter animal. I've worked with deer for more than a decade, and she actually played a huge instrumental role. And Luke and I, my, my now husband, some of you listening uh, might know him, Luke's story. He has the Lifestyles podcast, which I didn't know how big it was until <laughs> everywhere we go, it's like, hey, you know, like I'm all these like people coming out of the work. I'm like, honey, like you're like a big deal. Um, so you might probably listen to his show, but deer was a massive part. And he and I getting together in our sacred union and transitioning because we had been friends for a number of years and allowing us to get pulled over into this very different river that we're in now um, being married and all this stuff. So the deer is the path of the heart and wouldn't let me shut down my heart despite the betrayal and all the pain. Um, Cause at times I definitely wanted to just call it a wrap, throw on the towel, shut her down, just be like, I'm good. I'll just be single and celibate the rest of my life, which I was celibate for more than five years of my healing journey, side note, but that was just a part of what I needed. So yes, the animals have been with me every single day for many, many years. And the last little bit that I'll share about how this book came to be was, um, you know how it works when you're finally aligned with your true soul's calling, like stuff just, it starts to get more flowy and it's more harmonious. And so I was starting to get approached by different publishers and literary agents. I was living in New York city. That's like the hotbed for all of that. And yet through all these years of sitting down with these agents and publishers, I could not get clear on the book. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you struggle with that at all and getting clear on what your first book should be. Did you I mean, my first book, my idea of what it was going to be was completely tossed in the garbage. <laughs> And I wrote something that really felt like it came from my soul. So yes, I've been there. Yeah. Been there. Yes. It's such a wild journey, even for people. I mean, I was always a very natural, pretty gifted writer, always knew I would be an author. Yet when this moment was finally arriving, 
could just not sort it out. And there's all sorts of strange first time writers block, all these blocks. So I finally, after three and a half, four years of taking these meetings, landed with the right agents that opened up a bit more of a gateway to get clear on the book, arrived to it. Okay. It's going to be a book about surrender. The working title was soul surrender. Ah, thank God. After four years, we've done it. So I flew, whisked myself off to Bali to write my surrender book. And the first morning meditation in Bali, the second I closed my eyes, power animals as far around back wide as my mind's I could see hundreds, if not thousands of them already waiting for me. And they were like, guess what? That book on surrender, nice, cute, cute idea. Surrender that, let that go. And they were asking me to co-create this book with them. So I love to explain that because I'm proud of that. I'm honored to say that the foundational set point of this many year long journey to birth this into creation is from an invitation of them, for them trusting me to be a voice for them, me trusting them to show up for me and on all these different ways and platforms that I do live readings in front of a lot of people and to write this book. And so it was a co-creative journey. Um, that took a long time. In in all, it was probably like eight and some years uh, to get this out into the world, and I even feel my womb pulsing um, as I'm talking about it. I'm thankfully, after such a long journey, I can honestly say I'm so happy with it. It was not easy to arrive there. I died many deaths in my book process. <laughs> I'm guessing that you probably know what I'm saying when I say that. Um, but yeah, here she is, Animal Power, 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. I love it. And yes, I died many times. During, <laughs> I mean, try writing a book on leadership in 2020. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> That's El Sensitivo. Yeah, it's a very... <laughs> So um, I love it. I love power animals. I love the message that you bring in there. And what's interesting is I don't think I've ever told you this story. Did I tell you the story about the hawk in my life? I'm not sure. Okay. So I've always loved birds. Me and my dad had this connection since I was 12 years old. We were bird watchers. We had binoculars. We'd go to bird sanctuaries. I love birds. I also was never allowed to have dogs. So I had birds. But to rebel, I would get lots of birds. So at one point, I had 16 budgies who would all breed and they bred to 36. I had four pheasants (laughs) in an aviary. What? I had fancy pigeons, like the kind that have the big tails. I had four zebra finches and I had two cockatiels. How is this even possible? Well, where did they live? It was like, mom, you don't want me to have a furry animal? Well, I'm going to have a lot of feathers. Was it just nonstop bird chatter? Yeah, but a lot of them were had their own Averys that my dad would help me build okay. outside, okay. so they'd be outside. Wow. But with that being said, I've always had an affinity with birds. They represented a sense of freedom for me. Mm-hmm. So me and birds, best friends. But it wasn't until I moved to L.A., and I think it, I believe it was the first year I got here, um, like 2013. We're and now in Texas, though. We're now in Texas. Yes. Yeah, Let's <laughs> let me correct. We escaped LA. Yeah. But when I moved to the US from Canada, I landed in LA. Got it. And Kevin and I were walking uh, in a neighborhood we had parked in to go somewhere downtown. So we're kind of in the downtown ish area, but we parked in a neighborhood. So this is a neighborhood filled with apartment buildings. Okay. That's it. There's just these low rise apartment buildings, like two story apartment buildings. Park our car, get out, walk down this sidewalk and all of a sudden this red tail hawk flies and lands on the sidewalk Mm. in front of my feet Mm. the sidewalk first of all i've never seen a hawk just land on a sidewalk and it looks at me and i look at it and we're just eyes locked and my husband just like what is going on here and i was like hello that's (laughs) what i call a soul blaster right and i had always had an a love for hawks and eagles and falcons. Mm. Like I just love the way that they, they flew in the air. And I, I felt like I always saw hawks my entire life. And that's when also a big part of, I mean, my spiritual journey has been my entire life, but around 2012 is when I had like a real awakening. And then when I moved here is when things really started to awaken. Mm. And I felt like that was me meeting mm-hmm. my power animal mm. but it was such a 
like, wow, you had to make it so dramatic because I (laughs) appreciate the drama and you came into my life in that way. But it's, I love, so I feel that the way in which I had learned about totem animals and spirit animals is like, here's what they represent and, and that's it. Whereas power animals really teaches you how to work with them. Yes, yes. So I'd love for you to share just a little bit about that piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an important piece because I found in my, you know, countless uh, shamanic events and ceremonies, uh, because primarily what I would be facilitating in all of those journeys were guided shamanic journeys for people to, most oftentimes for the very first time, unite with and meet their core power animal. And, you know, again, remembering this is in the middle of New York City, Manhattan, Brooklyn. Um, This was also a long time ago before this whole, you know, resurgence of spirituality really started to take over. So there's a lot of new people to this work. And what I would hear most often after the journey, you know, people would be blown away by these experiences. Like, even though I would maybe guide them into the jungle. Like I'll never forget. Um, one of my friend's husbands was like, I met a lobster and he's like, (laughs) how is it that the lobster came into the jungle? And I like, it's just, it's always so beautiful and fun to hear people's reactions to the animals that present, um, and the journey that that takes them on, but they all wanted to know now what, right. Now, what do I do with this information? Yeah, so the lobster came to me in the jungle, now what? And so, yes, that was a huge foundational premise and intention for the construction of Animal Power Book was that every single, this is just one example, but every single one of the 100 animal entries has a power practice. That's what I call these different rituals, meditations, journeys, practices that you do that take you into much deeper further amplification and rapport and connection with that animal so that, because my work, my biggest thing that I'm all about is self-empowerment for the other and helping you just remember that everything that I'm saying is also within you. And so it's that next big step to further take you through the gateway of the power animal realm connection of learning what that animal sounds like, how do they present when they come in, uh, and how to, how to talk to them, all of these different things. And so once you get through that next phase, then it does become more up to you to take responsibility. Cause that's another huge part of walking the spiritual and shamanic path is responsibility. It's like, Spirit is not, it's very generous, especially when given the invitation that you're ready for its generosity, but it's like, we got to put in the work. And so it's like, okay, Allison gave me this power practice. Now it's up to me. I'm really resonating with the chameleon. So in, I'm going to devote in my morning meditations, I'm going to call the chameleon, chameleon in and speak to it and ask it questions until I feel that it's, it's run its course. And then I take a break from working with chameleon and it's so on, it goes, 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 Mm -hmm. but yeah. The learning how to, with honor, reverence, respect, commune, communicate, and receive when the animal wants to give you energetic medicine. Like, yeah, that's a huge part of all of this. Mm-hmm. You got to keep it going, mm-hmm. keep it opening up because the power animals, they're not super invasive, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes like with the hawk. And I, I've <laughs> I mean, had that a, hawk was a little invasive of my yeah, personal space. <laughs> I've had a bat in, uh, invasive situation that just blasted me open. So occasionally they will, but for the most part, they're guides that love an invitation mm-hmm. yeah i've had a bat stuck in my hair once oh yeah that'll that was another that, invasive experience bat but. medicine is very strong mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well there's also a deck that by the time this airs it could possibly be out and if not they can just wait patiently. <laughs> yeah, you can pre-order it. It will officially be like being delivered uh, August sixteenth. But I'm glad you brought that up because I was just deciding when I was driving over here. So on my website, AllisonCharles.com, Allison is A L Y S O N. There's a book dedicated to the 
a page dedicated to the book. It says animal power book is the tab. And right now, the way that page functions is after you order the book, you can just put the receipt number in and you'll get instantly sent this free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum. So you can begin this deeper communing. We call, set the intention and call your current power animal in, talk to it, do all the things. But right now, the way that page is set up, it, it looks like it's just for the book. But I do want to start to let people know that if you pre-order the deck, same thing, just go in and because I want you know, people that maybe just resonate with the deck only to still have access to that journey. So even though it says like, this is only for book, you can still put in your um, card deck order number and get that journey um, sent to you on the way over here. I was like, deck people need this too. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and I highly recommend getting that, um, the guided journey because it's worth it. And mm -hmm. especially if you've never experienced something like that, then this is the perfect way to experience in the comfort of your homes with mm -hmm. Allison in your headphones yeah. and a drum. <laughs> um, but definitely get your copy of Power Animals. And I'm going to share that link and all your links in the show notes. Um, but as we near the, the closing mm -hmm. of this conversation, I would love for you to share one potent truth to leave our listeners and viewers with. Well, I am ready because as <laughs> this last 10 minutes, this piece was just like, do not rap until this is spoken. Okay. And I didn't know that you close with this, but here, this is it. So as an educator, and I even still, I'm just like, as an educator, because <laughs> it can be, it can be, I'm so grateful. And thank you. Thank you, Great Spirit. Thank you, Great Mother Earth for trusting me. I never want to feel, um, you know, uh, any sort of negative way about it. It's just, it's a heavy weight to carry. Um, and but I'm also so grateful. So as an educator, along with us swimming in these shamanic waters, uh, an important piece to let people know is that yes, while my shamanic path primarily works from direct connection line into great mother earth and great spirit, um, and a lot of my fellow shaman friends and colleagues, that's also the primary way in which their path functions. But there are also a lot of additional shamans out there, um, many of which who I'm also friends and colleagues with, where they have been called into very specific lineages, mm -hmm. very specific cultural, um, shamanic cultural-based paths that adhere to specific cultural ways and earth-based lineages and traditions. And so- what I'm trying to get at is that that's where, um, and it, it boils down to something very simple, but it's very important that you're mindful if you're being called, even just to sit in ceremonial space with, maybe you're not feeling the call to become embodied as a shaman and have that be your life's path and work. Perhaps your call into shamanism is, I can tell there's something here for me. I can tell there's healing. I'm being led and guided to this location um, and to sit with this elder who teaches from a specific lineage. That's where you have to be extra conscious, awake, and aware in terms of what can and can't be shared from that ritual space, from that ceremonial space. Tell me if you've experienced the same for me and my journey and being led to sitting with different elders and lineages around the planet. Um, I've always, always been welcomed with open arms. They're, you know, they're very excited to be able. A lot of them are called at this time. Um, an Ecuadorian elder, Minari being one of them, I just had him on ceremony circle. A lot of them are being specifically called and guided to pass their wisdom traditions down because their peoples are dwindling in numbers and they don't want their, their wisdom traditions to be lost. So yes, you will most likely be invited in with huge open hearts and arms, but after the ceremony, the ritual, whatever you're doing is completed, 
it's just always best to ask more questions than not. And it's always important to get permission if songs are sung, if certain ritualistic ways um, you experience, you need to always know from that facilitator if those songs and ways can be um, continued in your personal work, and especially if they can be continued um, in any sort of public fashion. And anything that's been passed to me and given to me to carry I always give attribution to the teacher that bestowed that song, that prayer to me, whatever it is. And so, you know, as an educator, it just, it is important for me to always weave this into the conversation that when it gets to specific cultures and lineages, that's where you have to uh, make sure you have permission to carry those ways on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aho. <laughs> I have full agreement to that. And yeah, I mean, I'm walking the Shipibo way right now and the Shipibo path. And so it is important to have the permission when the permission is needed and to always just hold the reverence. So thank you so much for bringing that to light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks Allison. for creating the space. Yeah. Allison, thank you so much for being in the space with me today and yes. um, for for walking this path alongside me and alongside each other. It's just been such an honor to get to know you, to dive deeper with you and to be in this ceremony called life with you. So yes. Thank you. Oh, oh. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who sat with us and weaved and co-created this, this beautiful fun, fun and deep web. We did it. We did it. Fun and deep. We sure <laughs> did. And cut. No. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> yes, we're going to cut. But before we do, be sure to, if you're not already, just get in Allison's world. The links are in the show notes. She is uh, I am Allison Charles, I believe, on Instagram. So be sure to get in there, get her book, get her deck, mm -hmm. get her guided meditation. Get her all. Get, her get all. it all. Get it all. And that's where we will cut. Thank you. Thank you for joining me and Allison on this episode of Potent Truth, where we are taking you on a journey to challenge illusion and lead with sovereignty. If you appreciated this episode, please share it with a friend and be sure to connect with us on social media to share your biggest takeaways. Our handles are at I am Ruby and at I am Allison Charles. Be sure to grab a copy of Allison's best-selling book, Animal Power, and also snag a free guided shamanic journey at www.allisoncharles.com forward slash animal power. And you can also head to Amazon to buy a copy of the Animal Power deck. These links and more will be in the show notes. I'm also asking you to help us get this episode out to more leaders around the world. Download the episode, drop a reading and review on iTunes and on Spotify, and share this episode on your social media. If you want to connect on a more intimate level, you can text hashtag potent truth to 1781-336-0160 to start receiving weekly potent reminders and text directly with me. Thank you so much for being part of the Potent Truth Movement, and make sure you check back on Monday for a brand new episode of Potent Truth. Aho, leaders!